Time now for sports on 104.7 The Cave. Here's Ned Reynolds. Mike, the intern, Ned Reynolds, back in the studio, chipping away at the work week. So, did you ever get frustrated back in the day when you were waiting for leagues to kind of make up their mind when it came to scheduling? Like, I know you've been in this business longer than most, and you've seen it, you know, you know how the TV networks work and all this stuff, but like we were literally talking about this yesterday. When are they going to put out this damn schedule for the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs? Wasn't so impacting as that because TV pretty much had things arranged. That's what it's all about. Television. How are they going to arrange the games and so forth? Back in, in the days when baseball strikes first happened back in the early 1970s, that was frustrating. Waiting to see what would happen. And I'll tell you, in all honesty, Mike, uh, I'm really glad I was retired from TV when the pandemic hit because I don't know what those guys did for local television. There was nothing going on. What do you do, stand there and... The world of, of wiffle ball. <laughs> they, they had to invent big things. I know that the one baseball strike in the 1980s, I'm a big boxing fan, and uh, the networks had a lot of boxing on, and I was able to concentrate on it, not concentrate, but show that as features. And that kind of helped helped stem the tide until the strike was over. But oh my goodness sake, that's that can be a problem. But in terms of scheduling, nah, there's never a problem until now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, speaking of which, uh, finally we know when the Blues and the Avalanche are going to meet up. Like the Blues' chances in this? Yes, I do. I think that the Blues do have a chance in this. They are not favored. They weren't really favored against the Wild in some circles, but in other circles they were. The Wild finished ahead of the Blues in the Central Division. The Avalanche won the Central Division. But the Blues had a winning streak against the Wild. They had won every single game they played, three, and then they win the first one in the playoffs. They were 4 nothing before Minnesota finally won a couple of games. In regards to the Colorado Avalanche, who the Blues play tonight in Denver, first of a seven-game series, or best of seven series, the Avalanche lead it two games to one. Avalanche won two regular season games. The Blues won one. There were no ties, no overtimes, nothing like that. So from that aspect, you take a look at these teams and you match them up. And the St. Louis Blues are a big and physical hockey team. They'll put a lot of hurting on you. That's that's how they win. They get physical dominance and start really hard checking. The Avalanche are very quick. Very quick and a high-powered scoring team. So you have contrasting styles against each other. Still, yeah, I give the Blues a, a, a good shot. How good? That remains to be seen. I'm not into hockey that much, but... They're, uh, they're not a bad team at all. Well, uh, the one thing I've said about the Blues for uh, the last few seasons when we get to this point, if they do get this far, I'm always like, the thing that scares me is their lack of speed. And tonight, when they hit that ice at 8.30, we'll see if it works or it doesn't work because that's that's what – it always comes down to attrition and speed kills. That's exactly and that's, right. And, and really, that's, that's what – And in especially, any sport, in any sport – when you're the quicker team, you have a major advantage. Absolutely. And again, it's like we've been talking about it. You know, it just blows my mind, especially with these leagues like this one in baseball and basketball with the amount of teams that go to the playoffs. Now you've made it a game of attrition or speed. But Blues looking good. Let's go, Blues. <laughs> another late night for me staying up to watch another hockey game. All right. So uh, the second jewel in racing's Triple Crown is this weekend. Uh, we know what happened last time. 
No one favored that. Did it, did it ever come out? Did anyone put any money on that horse? Did you ever hear anything about Never that? Never heard of a no, single I, I soul. Didn't, I mean, you'd think one guy would have raised his hand and yeah, said. Yeah, but see, the tracks are not allowed to do that. You can't yeah, divulge they can't to say the winners. It. But the individuals can. See, that's what I'm thinking. You would think that that person would want some, hey, I'm the, I'm the smart guy. Look what I Maybe did. Maybe the owner did. That might have been possible. Yeah. But, but no, no, it was an 80 to one shot. I know, <laughs> man. You're making some money. All right. Well, where you, who are you putting your money on in this one? Not that horse because he ain't running. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I wouldn't do it again either. That is Rich Strike, and Rich Strike won the Kentucky Derby, and Rich Strike is not entered in the Preakness. That is the second jewel in the Triple Crown comes up this Saturday at Pimlico in Baltimore. So who is the favorite epicenter? Epicenter was runner-up to Rich Strike. So epicenter gets the nod at 6-5, to five, and he has a very good position, number 8, in the starting grid. So uh, they'll race at Pimlico. It's the run for the Black-Eyed Susans. It's the Preakness to be followed in June by the Belmont Stakes, and then you will have Racing's Triple Crown. But right now, it is Epicenter that gets the choice. Well, it'll be exciting uh, nonetheless, and uh, try not to put all your money on one horse. Kind of spread it around. <laughs> Diversify if you can. All right, so the Missouri State Softball Bears, they did an incredible job in the uh, NBC tournament uh, over the weekend, getting the dub. Now on to a even bigger challenge. It is their first time in the NCAA tournament since 2011. That's 11 years. And this is great. Holly Hesse and her team have done a great job. They won the Valley Tournament. They were not the top seed. Northern Iowa was. But the Valley Tournament was held here at Killian Softball Complex. And in the championship game, Missouri State whipped Northern Iowa 10-4. to Missouri State has power. They have one great pitcher the Dickerson kid, she is outstanding. Now, how much can she pitch? Well, we're going to find out because it's going to be a very difficult trek going through. There are four teams, of course, in all regionals. There are four teams in the Columbia Regional. Missouri is the host. Missouri State is up there. Arizona, University of Arizona, comes east from Tucson to play in this one. And the Lady Illini from Illinois are there. Now, this is a, a pretty good level of competition, but... Missouri State can do well. They're not favored. Missouri is the Missouri was second place in the SEC this year. They're really good. So we'll see what happens. But hey, they're going up there. They're going to play one o'clock on Friday afternoon as the first game. And of course, the matchup is Mizzou and Missouri State. What a great opportunity for those <laughs> ladies. And uh, I still can't get over how fast those those ladies can pitch. Those those balls come from forty six oh, feet away. Boom. The way they can fire. You can't even see that. Dude, I know, man. It just scares me watching it from a distance. So the Cardinals were supposed to play yesterday, got rained out, so they've taken that game, they've pushed it into today, and they've got a double header. You happy about that? I am. <laughs> I'll tell you exactly why I am. This is a d- double header. There are more double headers this year because the schedule is mm-hmm. backed by one week because yep. of that nonsense earlier this year. All right. They made an understanding. I always despise this, even though, Mike, it's been around for about 25 or 30 years now. Major League Baseball, in their money-grabbing way, when there were doubleheaders, they had one in the day and one at night for two separate admissions. I think that is. That's just a money grab that I didn't like one bit. The doubleheader with the Mets and the Cardinals today is consecutive. Start the games about 2 o'clock this afternoon at City Field in New York, and then the second game of the doubleheader will be about 30 minutes later, and it's one admission for both. That's the way it always was, the way it should be. It's a treat to the fans to see two games for the price of one. 
Baseball needs to forget their avarice and concentrate on what's good for the fans. And this, this I do like. And anyway, the uh, Mets and Cardinals do play two today. It's it's a late afternoon, early evening double shot at City Field in New York. Big test for the uh, both the Cardinals and the Mets. Card- Cardinals coming in off that 15 to six walloping of the San Francisco Giants on Sunday. Do you think other? teams across the league are going to take notice of what they're hope doing they today because do. I, I mean like we do. said with all these double headers coming up um it would be a really nice hey let's be cool with the fans let's get him back in here i mean what do you have to lose it's a tuesday it's a tuesday double header it's not like they were going to be a sellout this anyway. one this one of course wasn't planned the plan to double headers yes i think there are some teams that have followed that and said yeah we'll, we'll play a few consecutive but we're also going to play a few day night double headers yeah but over and above that it still is the way to go. It's the way it always was. Of course, there's a reason why it was always that way. And most of the cities back before, I'm going to say 1965, 66, had what were called blue laws. Mm-hmm. And while every team played Sunday doubleheaders, you couldn't go past 6 o'clock. So <laughs> as a result, uh, well, you had a lot of postponements or completions of suspended games. That's why they came up with a day-night. But still... Charging separate admissions, I don't like it. I don't either, man. It's like being at the bar and the hostess has to come around and get another five because another band's going on stage. Is this your third drink? Yeah. Charge, a, charge yeah. extra for that now. <laughs> how, many, how many has he had already? Well, <laughs> let's just keep him in here. All right. Um, you know, uh, we we had high hopes uh, for the Kansas City Royals this year. And uh, their their hitting really just isn't their offense in general really hasn't been consistent. Um, so they made a change pretty quickly in the season, didn't they? Their hitting coach was Terry Bradshaw, who's not to be confused with the football player. And Terry Bradshaw had been for many years with the Northwest Arkansas Naturals. Promoted him to hitting coach, well fired him yesterday. And you're absolutely right; the offense has been slumbering in spring training. I thought they had a pretty good offense. I think they still do. And it really hasn't manifested itself into a consistent attack. So they fired Terry Bradshaw yesterday and put Alex Zumwalt in as the new hitting coach. And, you know, didn't have any effect. Well, the Royals lost last night 5-3, but they did have a three-run rally in the eighth inning and maybe showed some signs of coming on. Nonetheless, you're up against the Chicago White Sox, who have also slumbered at the start of the year. But you don't slumber under ter- uh, Tony Larusa very long. You get you get moving quickly, and the White Sox are beginning to come back now. That game went into ten innings last night at Kauffman Stadium, and Luis Robert, who is Chicago's outstanding young center fielder, hit a two-run homer, and the White Sox won at five-three. I still think the Royals, somewhere along the line, weather's already beginning to warm up a bit. I think they're going to manifest themselves and start start this attack, start the hitting attack. They're capable of many good things, and I really feel like they're going to. A lot of young talent, and in the past, uh, especially when it came to the Royals, it always seemed like they did really, really well up until Memorial Day weekend, and that was the start of the fall. Hopefully now they flip the script, and it's a slow build. And we just got, you know, because, hey, you've had teams that were under 500 at the uh, Memorial Day break, and then came out and won the whole damn thing later on. A classic example of that, that's the Washington Nationals back in, was it 20 17, 2018. At one time, early in the season, yep. they won 19 games and lost 31. Won the World won the Series. whole thing. So it is possible. All right. So we got conference finals and the NBA playoffs coming up. One of those kickoffs. First one's tonight, and it's a very interesting matchup. It's the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics, two unlikely teams. Boston, of course, has the great history. Miami has a fair history, but certainly nowhere near as 
as significant as Boston's has been. They start tonight. Miami has the home court advantage. So the first two games are tonight and then Thursday night. And the Western Conference is the opposite nights. Opposite nights for basketball. Does TV have anything to do with that? What do you think? You get to watch <laughs> basketball every night, though, so I wouldn't be complaining. So the Western Conference is tomorrow night, and that's the Dallas Mavericks, who nobody thought would be there, including moi, up against the Golden State Warriors. That will be a very interesting series. The winners of those two best of seven play for the NBA titles. Watching that compilation video of the kid from uh, Dallas hitting all those shots. That's and every Luka Doncic. He, he did. He, he starts laughing. He is. He is. <laughs> an exceptional player. Now, there are always great kids coming up from college and so forth. Luka Doncic is from Slovenia, and he was a child prodigy. His dad was a basketball player as well. Gave his son a basketball when the kid was, oh, seven weeks old or something like that, and the kid took to it. He was signed his first pro contract. The kid, he never went to college. Uh, he signed his first pro contract at 13. Wow. Went and played for Real Madrid in these in the European leagues. He's only 23 years old. He looks older than that, but he's only 23. That kid can shoot. He has a fallaway jump shot that's unbelievable. Yeah, and unblockable, too. And if you watch <laughs> that game against the Suns, you'll see it for yourself. Ned, you have a great Tuesday. I'll see you tomorrow.